Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word in Jesus' mighty name. So we want to look at areas to assume responsibility. I, I picked out seven key areas that everybody, including myself and yourself and anyone else, have to assume responsibility so that they can see progress in their life. How many of us would like to see progress in our life? You know, progress simply means going forward. Being able to do more. Praise God. Being able to achieve more. Getting more effective. Getting more fruitful. Now, the first area is your spiritual life. Your spiritual life. Now, no matter how... Uh, no matter the preacher you stay under, okay? No matter how anointed that teacher is, you have to assume responsibility for your spiritual growth. Do you realize that Judas sat under Jesus, was with Jesus for three and a half years? Right? When Jesus sent out the disciples to go and heal the sick and cast out devils, Judas was with him, with, with them. But he ended up selling Jesus. You know, Jesus could not control that decision for him. Many times you can sit under a fantastic teacher of the word and not grow spiritually. Because it's not just hearing the word that makes you grow. Studying the word. You know, I put up something today. I saw it in the office. Uh, book of Deuteronomy The Lord told the children of Israel He says you have a responsibility to teach this thing to your children's children So you have to teach them to your children and to your grandchildren The primary responsibility of spiritual growth lies at the home front Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? You're supposed to take these truths that we're teaching in church And go teach them to your children You're supposed to take these truths and share them and someone says, oh, well, I don't have a child now. Well, you wouldn't learn the things immediately you have a child. You ought to learn them before the children come. Are you still here? So, spiritual growth. Your spiritual life is the number one area, which includes your study life, your prayer life, your fasting life. And I want to put this, your soul winning life. Every believer ought to win someone to Christ. You see, soul winning is not a department in church. We are saved so we can save others. And if I take a statistics of when last did we preach the gospel to someone, uh, many of us will fail there. But we'll talk about that more. Now look at the scripture here. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. Hebrews 5, 12. Look at this scripture. It says, For though... By this time you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you. Look at this. The elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Look at the picture that the writer of Hebrews is painting. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers. He says, but you, you have the need again that the elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ be taught to you. You now need milk and not meat. How many of you would like to have a child who is 12 years old and is still crying for milk? Hmm? I know many people like children, but would you want that kind of child? A child is 12 years old and they say, hey, you know, you go out to drink and people are buying burger and pizza and, and eba and rice. And they say, what does your child need? say, no, he's still on milk. I, I don't want to stress his life. Say, how old is he? He say, he's 12. Would you, would you be concerned? Do you think you'll be concerned? Or you'll be excited? W which of them? You'll be concerned. You know Paul's concerned about them. 
There are many people in church for years. They've been in church for years. If you ask them to come and lead a small cell group, they will not. They, they ah, I cannot. <laughs> ah, I cannot. But if you open a gossip center and say, tell us what has been happening in Boni, you say, where do you want me to start from, sir? Because they've got, they've, got, they've got archives of stories. You see, the same brain you are using to tell stories, the same mouth you are using to tell stories, it can do the same for the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your spiritual life. Would you grow next year more than you have grown now? You see, sometimes it's funny when you have to remind mature believers that they need to read God's word. That they need to pray. I say, ah, can't read your Bible. You say, sir, we are trying, sir. We are trying. Every time I'm reading the Bible, I'll just fall asleep. That story has been there for 10 years. Spiritual life. Your pastor cannot grow for you. It's like our children. We prepare the meal, but they have to do what? Feed themselves. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, people say you take a horse to the river, but you cannot make it drink. There has to be a willingness to drink. So the first area you have to assume responsibility is your spiritual life. As you're going into next year, set spiritual growth targets in the study of the word. In the study of the word. You can actually read some chapters of the Bible in one hour if you just go through them. Chapters like Philippians, Jude, you know, some of those, Philemon. You can just go through them and develop consistency in them. Number two, sorry, still number one, fasting. You know, I've taught you about fasting. Your spiritual growth is determined by you. If you do not assume responsibility, you will be immature. The Christian who assumes no responsibility remains immature. That's why I like that scripture. It says the devil goes about seeking whom he may devour. That means the devil cannot devour anyone. Are you following this? The devil can't just... You see, the devil cannot just come and uh, just hit your life. It's when you make room for the devil. You know, some people are afraid of witches, right? Some people are still afraid of witches. Okay? I'm not afraid of witches. In fact, I only remember they exist when I have to make an example like this. They are not part of my... You usually don't think about witches, actually. Hmm? But you know, there are still people who get up at night, midnight, battle cry at midnight. See, today we are going for 21 days, battle cry at midnight. They get up by 12. And they attack witches. Then they finish that. They say, we are going for, uh, uh, you know, something again. At midnight. You hear people say, the devil is not just allowing me to breathe. Hmm? Still immature. Still under curses. Still scared about everything. Your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Let's say that together. Say, my spiritual growth is my responsibility. Say it one more time. Say, my spiritual growth is my responsibility. Praise God. Number two. After your spiritual growth is your financial life, your money. Your financial life. It is your responsibility. Your financial life would include your income, your savings, your investment, and your giving. Write those four things down. Write them down. Your income. What you get. If you increase your value, you can be paid more. You know, when we're in school and we're studying educational courses... You know, and four years we are done. We graduated, right? And uh, they give us BSc education, social studies education. We're excited. We go and save. And some of our friends who went to study medicine, they're still there. In fact, five years uh, medicine, about seven years to eight years, they do housemanship. Now, before they will come for youth service, somebody who read probably a social studies or whatever would have finished youth service, looked for a job, and everything. You know, but when you come out, you now discover that the pay is different. Those extra years give them a doctor can perform surgery, something, something, they say 600,000. You pay because you have to do it with your life. You, you might not be able to read and they say, well, we can teach this child to read. Say, will you take 20,000 per month? Say, it's too much. Because you know that even the guy cannot read, he can go and sell, sell something in the market and still do it. It's not life threatening. 
Are you hearing this? Now, the value you contribute will determine how much resource you will get. If you're an architect, you studied well, proper building engineer, you can come into a place, draw a structure for a building and everything, they pay you in millions. And then the mason who is carrying the block to build the, this thing, is paid daily. It's just the way life has been designed. What you are earning currently is how much value you're bringing. Don't, don't feel like, oh, I, de- I deserve more. No, you don't deserve more in that sense. You put in the value and the value attracts what? More. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, if you want to increase your income, the first person to look at is yourself. How can I increase my income? By putting value into yourself. Then you have to look at your savings. Your savings. You have to learn to save. Let me read the scripture to you. John chapter... 13 and verse 29. John chapter 13 and verse 29. You know, life is very funny. I was thinking about this today. If you tell someone to hold your money, someone that you trust a lot. You know, when Jesus had the 12 disciples, there were no positions. The only person he gave a position was Judas. Means he trusted Judas a lot. John 13, 29. Look at this. Let's look at verse 27. That's not where I'm going to, but uh, I'm going to verse 29. But so that you would understand. After the muscles, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Jesus is amazing. Verse 28. Now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. That's why, you see, when you lead like Jesus, it's not about exposing people's error in terms of making them public. You know, some of these prophetic words we get. We just try to expose people to know that we are very correct. Do you think today, if we were today's church, I knew that someone was going to betray me, I'm going to just say what you want to do, do quickly? Do you think I'll do that? Hey, come on. What do you think? Do you think you will do that? You call the person's name. John! <laughs> what is in your heart? Say, say it. Am I lying? You want to betray me? You want to sell me? 30 pieces of silver. Say, go deeper, papa. Say, it's 30. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, some of those things, I'm sorry to say, but let's go on. (laughs) 29. For some were supposing, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. This is where I want to anchor in Luke chapter 8, just write it down, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says that the uh, women, choose, choose her and all of those women, they were giving of their substance to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He had a money box. He had someone to hold the money. And then he said, keep that scripture up for me. Keep John thirteen twenty nine for me. Alright? Now, when you read that John 13, 29 again, look at 39, you know what it says, verse 29, you know what it says? It says, buy the things we have made of for the feast. Not just buy the things, buy what we need for the feast. Part of financial responsibility is buying what you need. Not buying everything. <laughs> Not buying everything. Buy what you need. You see, they understood that Jesus had a financial principle. They said, oh, now that he said this to Judas, there are two things. It's either he's going to buy something we need to the feast, or he's going to give to the poor. There was clear directions that even the disciples of Jesus knew the financial lifestyle that ran the ministry. Buy what you need. We are entering another December now. Hmm? A lot of things will come up. Black Friday. You buy things you don't need. Juma Black Friday. 20% off. 70% off. And you just enter. Just click. Add. 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 You had no, no plans about these things. That's why you never go, go shopping without a budget. You know sometimes when people say, do you have this in your budget? It looks like people are too strict. Wealthy people work by budgets. Come on, are you following me now? You're responsible for your financial life. 
So don't be careless financially. Learn to save. Jesus had a money box. Learn the art of saving. Don't spend everything that comes into your hand. Someone say, oh, it's not even enough. What should I save? Save the little you can. Even if it's a thousand naira a month, develop the habit of saving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Develop that habit. Don't spend everything that comes your way. Don't buy everything you feel like eating. Don't buy everything you feel like wearing. Don't buy everything you feel like you have. You, you, have, you have want of. You haven't gotten to that place yet. Many times you see, you see young people, they try to get things, acquire things just to show people that God has prospered them. That's not how we show people that God has prospered us. Go get my book again on uh, prosperity and increase, the missing link, wealth and increase. Learn the art of frugality. Learn to save. Sometimes when you even get increase in your salary, just assume. You know, life is funny. You know, if you were earning 100000 and uh, they decided to pay you 150000 Do you realize, for instance, if you were earning 100000 for five years, right? Let's say you were earning 100000 for five years, and this year they decided to start paying you 150000 Do you realize that by the first month of the year that they paid you 150000 you you just spend the whole 150000 and say, ah, this money is not enough. And you have forgotten that for the past five years you were actually living on what? On 100,000. How did you survive? Because that extra 50,000 was not there, your brain just shocked that this money is not there and you managed 100,000. Now that uh, extra 50,000 is there, what's happening? You have expanded your brain. Let me tell you. Huh? If your husband gives you 20,000 to the market and you know that's all he gives you, 20,000 will bring food for the family. Yeah? Are you going home? Okay. It's too small, right? Okay. If your husband gives you 40,000, what will happen? 40,000 will bring food home. If your husband gives you 100,000, 100,000 will bring you home. There are some families that spend maybe 120,000 a month and the person is still complaining. You know, I know in your mind you are saying, God forbid. If they give me 120,000, it's for the year. It's a lie. It's because they have not given you. Because when you are going to the market with 20,000 in your pocket, you have the consciousness that this 20,000 is for one month. So in this 20,000 is soup, is this, is that your consciousness? Once that money increase, the way you walk to the market is different. You understand? What you want to buy is different. Even if they give you 200,000. What I'm trying to say is that you are not led by the money. You should be led by your vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you didn't die in the last 30 years by spending 20,000 in the market, the next 10 years you won't die. Keep that thing consistent. Save the top. So that you can invest. If anybody is close to me, one of the key things I, I try to teach them all the time is the ability to manage money. Many people don't know how to manage money. Many people should have been wealthy by now. And all I tell people sometimes is, look at what you have earned in the last one year. Look at your life. Is it a reflection of what you have earned? It can be a little habit like just buying... Um, you, you just like to just take coke in, the, in weekends just to relax, just to cheer yourself after the pressure, just to cool your head. Here's that, that. And then you buy coke and suya all the time. Coke and suya all the time, right? So suya 500, you know, coke, maybe 500. So you spend 1,000 naira, okay? Every week, right? Just to relax, just to chill. <laughs> and you know, when you're eating those things, some people come around you, you help them. But let's just take only yourself. Huh? You are like those type of people who buy suya and mineral and, you know, they take bike to the place and walk home. So that before they get home, it's finished. They just put straw in the coke and be sipping and be eating and be walking and be walking. Before you get home, it's finished. Yeah, where you go, it's not finished. <laughs> okay, so you do that. So let's say you miss about two weeks, but you were consistent for 50 weeks. That's how much? 1,050 is how much? 50,000. Right. Am I right? 60,000. 
Now, if you look back, it will not look like you have spent 50000 on that alone. That we're not talking about other things, so at work, lunch break, you buy this, you buy that, you buy this, you buy this, you buy this. Right? It will look little, especially when you can afford it. That's the fragment that will make up the 12 baskets. That that fragment you are allowing to leak off your life, if you gather it, it will make up to 12 baskets. That same person will probably not have 50,000 at the end of the year. So, you must learn the arts of saving. As a ministry, we save. That's why we can do some projects without having to raise funds every Sunday. Because whatever comes in, there must be a portion that goes to our savings. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Have you learned something there? So, you must assume your financial status is your personal responsibility. That's why you can work in the same company with people. They will earn the same money and later they will come and take loan from you. It's not as if some people have more responsibility. Then I want to talk about giving. Learn planned giving. Just learn it. Learn planned giving. You see, sometimes when people are in need, they can use the needs to put pressure on you. And if you go that way, you can use all your money to solve people's problem and you really don't have anything left. And people also know people who are very soft. Just send them text. Say, I don't send them, I don't reply. Send them again. And people are very funny now. They send you a message and add their account number together. It's, I, I find it very amusing, actually. There's always urgent 2K, urgent 3K, urgent 4K, urgent this one, urgent this one, urgent this one. You know, I heard someone a long time ago sent me something. I just need this urgent thing, this in a fix, da, 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 10K. I didn't reply, I didn't respond, I didn't do anything. I just left it like that. So after about three weeks, I called the person. So I said, yeah, there was this message you sent me about urgent 2K. How far has, has the problem been solved? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that has been solved. I said, oh, we thank God. We thank the Lord. You know, when I got that message, it looked like if I didn't intervene, eh, the problem would not be solved. But I didn't intervene, and the problem was solved. Your, emer- your emergency... Right? You can't convert your lack of planning to become an emergency. I'm not the devil. I wasn't responsible. And ultimately, the scripture, you must follow the Bible. Ultimately, the book of James, the Bible says, is any afflicted, say, let him pray. Don't forget that scripture. Your first point of affliction is to cry to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God always answers. And God always has, you see, and, 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 and I need to say this with a lot of wisdom and a lot of caution. Sometimes we don't allow the people around us to learn the lessons of life and to grow because we keep feeding that habit. So you have somebody who gambles, for instance, and he's always asking you for money and you feel sorry, you always give him. You're, you're not helping him. Some of you are not helping your family members. You are actually deepening them in what psychology calls learned helplessness. That person will lean on you until he's too old to fathom his life. Are you still here? Yeah. You know, as little as our kids, we started training them in those lessons. And I'm using them as an example so that you learn. You know, sometimes my son comes to me and says, can I get any work so that I can get money? He might want to buy a book. I mean, the last time he wanted to buy a book, maybe a thousand naira, he says, oh, what can he do to get money? I said, okay, go and wash all my stockings. I'll pay you. So he went, washed all my stockings. I paid him the one thousand. I mean, he went to buy the book. Then he came to me in the office that he wants work that can make him earn five thousand. I said, I don't have that one now. <laughs> I don't have that one. You know? So he met the mom. Now, to be honest, giving him, he knows I have that money. He knows I can give him. But that's not how life works. I'm going to live long. But if anything happens to me, how does he get ahead with life? If anything happens to the person you are depending on now, will your life end with them? Assume responsibility. Don't just say no. Assume responsibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn to teach your children that money doesn't come free. The people you are helping, learn that they should exchange value for resources. They might call you stingy. They might call you 
What do you call that thing? The uh, aradite hand, right? Oh, we're going. That your hand is aradite. Is it aradite now? Super glue now, right? Uh-huh. That your hand, you have not the open. <laughs> Keep it closed. But learn to tell people. Because if you did not assume responsibility, you would not have had to give to them. Do you realize that if you did not save, you would not have extra to help someone else? You won't have. If we blew all our salaries, if all the offerings you give on a Sunday, we have something to spend them on, do you think we'd have something extra to keep the church running? No. So, the principles that keep us in assuming, let it will be tough, but learn, your compassion must not teach foolishness. Don't have compassion on people and allow them to destroy their life. Are you following this now? Alright, let me leave that. I'm going to deal with that a whole lot more. Number finances. Number three, your relationship life. Right? Your relationship life. We're talking about areas to assume responsibility. Your relationship life. Friends who add value, you have to have friends who add value to you or take value. Uh, sorry. Let me put it this way. Friends will either add value to you or take value from you. No friend leaves you the same. That's, that's the best, best way to put it. You are either being stirred to godliness or to worldliness. So friends will either add value to you or take value from you. Friends will either stir you to godliness or stir you to what? Worldliness. God will not choose your friends for you. God will not. All your friends will be chosen by you. Now, this is something you need to understand. Listen to me very carefully. Don't miss this. There are people around your life that comes by default. When we mean default, we mean like, you know, for instance, if you buy a, if you buy a phone, there are some apps that comes with it from the company, right? Then other apps, you have to install them. Okay? So... What are some of the apps that comes with phones when you buy a new phone? You are not using phone. The message app. So what are some of the message apps? I think almost every phone now comes with WhatsApp, right? Or Facebook, right? Am I right? Okay. Now, or let's even say games. Some phone comes with games already installed. Those are default. They just came with the phone. Now, there are people around your life that are by default. For instance, if you went to a particular school, there will be people who went to that school around your life. Okay? They came by default. If you live in a particular compound, the people on that street, right, will be around your life by default. If you grew up in a yard, you know, understand what I mean by yard. Face me, I face you. Fifteen rooms facing each other. Thirty of you a part of your life by default. That one of those rooms can have like 10 people. So maybe we're looking at maybe 50 people. Right? If you come to a particular church, like our church now, there are people around you by default. Those people come into your life by default. But you have to choose if those people would remain in your life or you would get new people. This is the challenge. Now pay attention to this. Many times we are too emotional about life that the people that come to us by default, we don't want to let them go even though they are not adding value to us. Because that emotional tie is there and we want to hold on to people who are not aiding our growth and because immediately you want to exit the relationship, they bring that emotional package. But we went to the same school. Right? But we are in the same compound. Right. Now, look at this. Proverbs 13.20. Proverbs 13.20. You are responsible for your relationship. And let me tell you, your relationship, he who walks with, the wise, with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is predictable. It's not a prayer point. There's no prayer to change it. It's the law of life. Your friends will affect your life. Your friends will affect your life. Proverbs 12, 26. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. Proverbs, no, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. Praise God. 
The righteous man is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked will lead them astray. The righteous man is a guide to his neighbor, and the way of the wicked will lead them astray. When a man is righteous, and that righteous man is your friend, he becomes what? A guide. He becomes a guide. So, your friends are guides to where you are going to. I was in a class in Lagos, a leadership class, and that day, that truth dawned on me. The man said, look at your phone, and seven of your closest friends, look at their lives and where they are headed. That's where your life is headed. Your friends are a picture of where you are headed. Your friends are a picture of where you are headed. The Bible says the righteous man will choose his friends carefully. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 It says let us stir one another to good works Let us stir one another to good works Do your friends ask you You know how do you know sometimes You need to change your cycle of friends When all your discussions are not things You say let's consider how to stimulate one another To love and good deeds When you gather around your friends Do you talk about prayers Do you talk about the books you're reading Do you talk about the courses you're taking Or Everything you discuss is just about people. You know, when you gather with your friends and all your discussion about other people, you guys are not growing. Because if you are busy, you will not be preoccupied with another person's life. You know, I, I had a chat with a long-time friend of mine yesterday night who just reached out to me like, hey, it's been a while. So I said, oh yeah, it's been a while. You know, we got talking. He's telling me what he was doing. I was telling him what I was doing. And we just realized, listen, we're busy. We, we are engaged. I have stuff to do. Right? But when you have friends where every time it's what is wrong with somebody else, some, what is wrong with somebody else's relationship, what is wrong with this, what is going wrong? You know, some people have all the negative news around. You're not busy. You don't have what you're pursuing. And your friends are your responsibility. And, and you know, we have this thing, and we have this thing, and we're talking about it in our staff devotion, in our leadership review. We've got this thing in, in, in life today where people are hypocritical. They want to be friends with everyone because they are afraid of what people will think. So, this person lives a crazy life, is their friend. This one lives a good life, is their friend. So, wherever they go, they just adjust to that because everybody's afraid to say the truth. When you, for instance, I'll give you a practical example because you're all looking like me like I don't know what I'm doing now. Obina, come. John, come. Um, come. Yeah, you come. Come on. Okay? So, I'm friends to... No, let's, let's take you out. Sorry. David Green, come. Because the gender will, will, will alter the example. So, I'm friends to, let's say this guy is not doing so well. Move, move a bit. Alright? You know, his attitude is bad. This guy is very spiritual. Okay? Don't do like you're my bodyguard. Put your hands there. Okay? Now, I come to this guy and I act the way he's acting. Do you understand? I meet this guy and he says, I don't even like the way you'll be nice. I say, my friend, my friend is the truth. I don't even like, but you know, I, he's in the same church. I just keep it done. I meet this guy. He talks about prayer. I talk about prayer. What is happening is I'm not true to myself. You know what that is? It's hypocrisy. It's a false life. Accommodating people in your life does not mean you are just to their values all the time. Because what now happens, it means you don't have a value. We should be able to look at you and say, you know what? This person, this is his friend. This person, this is not his friend. You can't keep saying people are not your friends, but they are everywhere around your life. Do you understand now? You still don't understand. I will ask all of you to stand up and come. Alright, thank you guys. But that's the point. Friendship must be value driven. Come on, everybody say friendship. Must be value what? Driven. What drives our friendship? Values. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, what are the two values that should drive our friendship here? Stimulating one another to what? Love and what? Good deeds. Are your friends concerned if you are not in church? Are your friends concerned? Is your friend concerned about your spiritual growth? You know, a very interesting story I like is in um, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 13. Before Jesus chose the 12 disciples, he spent all night praying. Before he chose the 12. The Bible says he spent all night praying. How come Jesus spent all night praying to decide who would be his disciple? 
Do we pray about our choice of friends? Do we spend time before the Father? And the simple illustration I'll give you is every bad thing you learn, someone taught you. Every good thing you learn, someone taught you. That's how powerful friendship is. Hmm? Sometimes you think people are not influencing you, but they are. Every one of us is a product of influence. Praise God. Every one of us is a product of influence. Someone is influencing us directly or indirectly. You know, sometimes, I mean, nothing against, but sometimes, as Christians, we think that we are not being influenced by the world. Right? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you sometimes how that influence is strong on us. It's for us to just play a type of music. Right? And let's just pretend nobody's watching. You discover that all the dance will dance is the secular dance. It's just, that's it. You remember there was a time Makosa was raining, right? How many of you remember Makosa? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, bang, 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 bing. People have caught rope. <laughs> you don't see people. Yeah, I mean, we're not dancing it now. But then we said, oh, okay, why are we not dancing it now? It's not. Stop playing now. You're going to see people do like this, do like this, and shoot their leg. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, do you understand it? So it, it's it's it, it it's subtle. Sometimes even we don't agree that we are being influenced, but we are. Because you know what happens if next year another dance comes up, what's gonna happen? Come on, tell me what's gonna happen. We're gonna pick on that. That's it. So your friends exert influence in your life even if you don't know it. That's why you have to be careful because when you are careful about the choice of your friends, you're no longer careful about the influence because you already know they'll give me the right influence. Are you following this now? Alright. In Luke chapter 5 verse 17 to 39, an interesting story. <laughs> this man was sick. Okay? It's a long reading. Just write it. You know what his, the, his four friends did to him? They took the man, tore the roof where Jesus was preaching and dropped the man at Jesus' feet. You want to have those kind of friends. Ah, you want to have those kind of friends. I mean, the friend was sick. You know the job. Just think of it. Let's be creative for a while. Imagine somebody is sick. And then you take that man and climb the roof with a sick man. This is another person's house. And you start hearing, <laughs> What is happening? It's our friend who wants to drop. They bore a hole in the roof of another man. And brought the man down to the feet of Jesus to get. Man, that's the kind of friend you want to have around you. That will go the extra mile to get you at the feet of Jesus. That will go the extra mile to get you healed. You know that friend like, ah, so now so you say leave us. So now die you day so. I mean, no solution, no prayer life. They'll just let you die. Because it's easier to dig the grave than to climb the roof. Come on, are you here? Your friends will make you or will marry you. Your future is in your friends. All this message we are teaching now, if you have a friend who doesn't have the same values, they will derobe them. Do you compare church notes with your friends? You know, a Christian said in those days when you meet with other believers, they will ask you, have you prayed? Or sometimes they say, what is God saying? How many of you had that experience? When some people come say, what do you think God is saying? You know, I have some friends like that. Just ask me, what do you think God is saying now? I have no clue. So God is saying Bitcoin. <laughs> so God is saying hammer. This is your year of hammering. You know, but that's the point. If you don't have friends who are conscious of your spiritual life, you will not grow spiritually. If you have friends that all they talk about is money, you would always feel poor in their midst. That's the truth. Praise God. Let's leave that. Number four, your thought life. Your thought life. If you allow your thoughts to be careless, you would fail in life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 tells us what to think on. Your thoughts will lead to action. It says whatever is pure, whatever is trustworthy, think on these thoughts. If you think failure thoughts, you would fail. If you think mediocrity thoughts, you will, you will end up in mediocrity. Philippians 4 8, you can write that down. Your thought life, control your thoughts. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Think on these things. Stop thinking about your past. Stop thinking about your mistakes. 
Think on what the word of God says. Put the word of God in front of you. Glory to God. Put the word of God in front of you. Put God's word in, 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 in front of you. Meditate on the word. Look into the word. Look into the perfect law of liberty. If you, listen, if you sit down and just allow your thoughts to roam, you'll discover that before you know, oh, Christmas, you traveled home, you had accident, they buried you, they now did coffee, you now, I mean, in 10, in ten minutes, you can think all the crazy random thoughts. You know, I was, telling, I was telling my wife something. A few days ago, I had a bit of pain. I don't know how it came about. You know, I mean, it's had a bit of pain here. So, I thought maybe it was the way I slept. So, I just let it go, you know. And, uh, you know, I sprayed over it. But then I still felt the pain came to the office. Pain was much. I remember, just like that. It's been on for like three days. You know, so I, 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 was, in the, I was in the room. I was just thinking. I was just thinking. And, you know, my thought just went, ah, this might be appendicitis. So, where... Is appendicitis in the body? Is it on the right hand side or the left hand side? So I just told my wife, like, ah, you see what I'm thinking, you know? And what's the what's the what's the action that will follow that? What do you think is the action that will follow that? Speak, pick my phone. Google knows all the answers. Just check which side is appendicitis. Maybe it's on the right hand side, and it's on the right hand side. I'm feeling it. I'm just saying I don't know where it is because I didn't check. Right. I, maybe I'm feeling it there. What, what do you think will happen? Immediately, come on, what do you think will happen? Mm. I suspected. I didn't bother to check. Then I knew, oh, this is not, this is, this is going beyond just you slept badly. So as you went to the healing scriptures, two healing scriptures, he took my pain, he took my pain, meditated on it, spoke over it, prayed over it, you know, and then just went. That's how to guard your thoughts. It's not to go online, bah, 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 wow. World Health Organization say 47 people die of appendicitis every year. Jesus, <laughs> you know. Then, and, and, and you know, the enemy has a way of populating sub Saharan Africa, has the highest rate. Nigeria has the highest rate. <laughs> I mean, you just see, and then you now see traditional Habalist people say, drink charcoal. And I don't know, I'm just saying this example. You know, drink charcoal and one cup of milk. You say, okay, you will mix charcoal and drink. You say, no, take, and then you just get your life. And who led you to that? Your thoughts. Your thoughts. Your thoughts led you there. And that's why when your thoughts start leading you astray, David said, Oh my soul, why art thou downcast? Hope thou in God and rejoice in the Lord of your salvation. When you start feeling depressing thoughts, that's when to talk to yourself. Why are you downcast? When you start feeling like the church is not growing, that's when to thank God for the people that came. If those people did not even come, there would not be growth in the first place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why you must keep record of your testimonies. Everything that God has done for you. When the enemy says this year is not ending right, think about the things God did. Think about the blessings of God. Think about the goodness of God. Talk your way out of depression. People that have depression are always thinking wrong thoughts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. Even the way you think about yourself. You know, there are some people that just think that they are not fine. Who told you you are not fine? Nobody. So I just knew. I don't like to deceive myself in this life. <laughs> what about if you keep telling yourself, I'm in the image of God. I'm the image of God. I'm the image of God. That's why I'm, I'm one of the wrong persons to ask, how am I looking? Am I fat? Am I slim? If you meet me, you would always get positive answers. You will always get positive answers. Because you know, you think of yourself as fat and someone somewhere is the fat people you like. You think of yourself as slim. People in this world don't even know what they want. Praise God. You know, when Agbeni Derigo went, one most beautiful girl, a lot of girls stopped eating. Hmm? Wanted to be slim and all their bones were showing. They don't want to eat. Want to be slim. Want to be slim. Want to be slim. Want to be slim. Until they were rushing some to the hospital. <laughs> and you don't know that for some of you, you have large bones. Your bones are big by, by nature. That's what God created you for. <laughs> some of you, your father is big, your mother is big. I can pre- prophesy your future. <laughs> look, look no further, son. Bigness is yours. I mean, some people are slim. I mean, they will eat a whole elephant, nothing will show. You will drink water and you'll be big. Why don't you just accept your destiny 
and walk in the grace of God and say, we are the big ones in life. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, I don't know, but it makes life easy. Praise God. Well, I'm not saying just allow yourself. We don't want the image of God on the increase. Okay? So, I'm not saying just say, Ah, Pastor, thank you. You have delivered me. If I didn't get anything for this message. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Please. Praise God. Alright, glory to God. Okay, number five. Your heart. Your heart. Proverbs 4.23. I'll read the New Living Translation. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Above everything else, guard your heart. Watch your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Your life is a reflection of your heart. Guard it. Build a wall around your heart. Don't allow negative things into your heart. Praise God. Don't allow negative words into your heart. They'll shape your life. Hallelujah. God, look at this. Look, write this translation down. When you write that scripture, write the New Living Translation down. Go online and, and, and Google it and copy it out. Hmm? Print this and put it where you can see it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That means the course of your life right now is determined by your heart, not your circumstance. See, if you put God's word in your heart, it will shape the course of your life. If you put the right words in your heart, it will shape the course of your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Your heart shapes your life. Write that down. Your heart shapes what? Your life. And you know, naturally, the most sensitive organ in the human body is what? Is your heart. Once your heart stops, everything else will stop. Hmm? Once you have cardiac arrest, everything else. Your heart, that's where blood actually pumps out for all the power of your body. Your heart is the engine room of your life. In the same way, what you're going to be in 2022 is going to come from your heart. If your heart shapes the year right, your life will follow the course that your heart is shaping. Praise God. The next one, number six, personal development. Are you becoming better? Are you growing? Are you reading? Are you developing yourself? Are you improving in the way you speak your English? Are you improving in the way you write? Are you improving in the way you dress? Personal development. Your personal hygiene. Your grooming. Hmm? How you look. How you approach things. How you, um, you can't prepare for the palace looking like a prisoner. Developing yourself. It's your responsibility. Nobody will grow for you. They can buy books for you. Nobody will force you to read. Is that okay? Then number seven, the last one, the use of your time. Nobody can use your time for you. You know, life is funny, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now, and I think in those days when sometimes my mom used to make me read, you know, preparing for, for Waek, she would wake me up to read. And then I'll be sleeping, sleeping, sleeping. Then I'll hear a footstep coming. I'll just pretend like I'm reading. I know you did the same thing. Right? To be honest, was I, was I punishing her or myself? I will write, she will write the exam. I'm the one that will write the exam. By the time I go to the exam hall and I see the questions I'm not able to answer and I fail. Who have I? So, the use of your time, right? It will show up in your life. If you like, waste all your time. If you like, sleep all your time away. If you like, use all your time to play games. Hmm? If you like, just go around town, assist the devil going about to and fro. Both of you seeking whom you may devour. Be his personal assistant. What's going to happen? You will pay for it. It won't be the, See, the use of your time is yourself. The use of your time is yourself. That's why when you have someone in life helping you to plan how to use your time, value them. They are teaching you the principles of life. Many people in this life, nobody guarded their time. You look at a lot of people, nobody. They left the house when they like, they came back when they like. Huh? You know, you have people like that. They can't just leave the house and come back anytime they like. Nobody controls their time. Nobody asks them what they are doing. Don't feel monitored when someone is helping you to use your time. Every star will need a coach. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Matthew 26, 40, Jesus says, could you not watch with me for one hour? The same hour that Jesus used to pray, the disciples used it to sleep. The hour was not different. If I had slept, the, the second hour he came back. He said, could you not watch with me for one hour? They were sleeping again. He came back the third hour and he said they were fast asleep. They, they changed gears. And Jesus said, sleep on. Three hours Jesus prayed. Three hours the disciples slept. And you see what happened? When Judas came, Peter took sword and cut off somebody's ear. You know that's a reaction of a man who has not prayed. So you cannot just wake up in life and force results. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot just wake up in life and say, <clears throat> today. No. All what you'll be doing with your time is what we show today. If you want tomorrow to be better, you need to change the use of your time. You know, I was doing this course and it was overwhelming. I was losing track of things. It was tough. It was tough. So I spoke to one of my academic mentors. I said, like, I'm thinking of dropping this course or extending it. And he just said, hey, talk to me about the use of your time. And I told him all the things I'm doing. And he just said, hey, you're not using your time well. You're not using your time well. And then he helped me put my time back in shape, showed me a couple of things, recommended some books for me to read. I went, went read it, did everything. And you know what? I'm still continuing the course. That's what happens. It's the same 24 hours. So if next day is going to be better, we will make that choice. Have you been blessed tonight? Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that everyone in this service, that this truth is engraved in their hearts, and they live a life that's well pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.